We're going to continue the, uh, the sermon series we're in, and, and we're calling it Finding Our Place, and we're looking at the book of Ephesians, all right? We're looking at the book of Ephesians, and we've said that for the Ephesian uh, Christians, those in Ephesus and the areas around it, uh, what Paul wants to do is help them in a very quickly changing world. What Paul wants them to do is to know their place, is to know that they are in Christ, and to know who they are in Christ, and to know how to love the world around them, and how to love each other, and so on. And, and, and we've been working our way through it, and uh, this morning we're up to chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the text right now, we're going to look at it a little bit later. But uh, in this section, Paul talks about how we relate to each other. Last week we talked about how Jesus died because we were dead in our sins and transgressions and, and, and by his grace he brought us close to the Father. Now he wants to talk about how we relate to each other. And so as we begin, I ask you to just kind of uh, think about this. I ask you to, to recognize that, that each and every one of us, all of us as human beings, we have an amazing tendency to form groups, right? If you get 400 people together, that 400 will get into smaller groups. And that's not necessarily bad. God created us to be in relationships. God created us to share life together, to, to, to be connected with each other. We were designed that way, and, and, and he intends for us to be a part of groups, to be a part of families, to be a part of friendships, to be a part of churches. It's, it's not necessarily bad. The fact of the matter is a lot of groups are, are good. They're healthy. They're, they're, they're strong. They, they, they're just they're not harmful at all, right? I, I, I mean, a group of guys gets together and, and, and watches a, a football game, you know? I mean, they, they do that every weekend. Uh, and I don't mean to be sexist. They're, they're, women can go too. But, you know, I mean, these guys get together. They watch the football game. They just have some fun, right? They just hang out. They all share that common interest. Or a, a group of people gets together and they knit, right? And they, and, and they just enjoy that. It's, it's open. It, nobody's excluded. It's, it's just kind of a good thing. And, 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 and there are those groups in and, and, and churches and so on. And a lot of them are really good. But the fact of the matter is each and every one of us knows that sometimes, and it's all too often, sometimes groups can become dangerous and and damaging to us and to others. Sometimes these groups that that God intended us to have and and to find strength and encouragement and commitment become something different. And one of the ways that groups can go wrong is they they stop being groups and they start to become cliques, right? And and, and what happens often in this is, is that we begin to think that the people in our group are better than everybody else, right? We begin to think that, that, that our group is, is better, that we are superior, that we are a little smarter than everybody else, that we are a little more valuable than everybody else. And, and it just kind of happens so subtly, even on silly things, okay? So these guys who are watching a football game, you know, they do that on, on Sundays in the fall, on Saturdays in the fall, whatever it is, that they enjoy doing that. But then they start to talk and they realize that, you know what? Manly men watch football, Right? I mean, we're better than those guys who watch golf and certainly better than any group of guys who would ever think it's okay to get together and watch figure skating, right? I mean, we're just better than them. Manly men do this. This is what a good guy does. This is what a, and, and, and then it becomes kind of a, and, and so let's not let other people into this. And it becomes exclusive and we're a little bit better. And, and think about those dear friends who are knitting, right? I mean, they just get together, but, but they start to just recognize that, that there's another group of ladies from church And I don't understand it, but they go shopping all the time. And while I can imagine Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, I can imagine them knitting because somehow it feels holier. I can't imagine them going to Chicago for a shopping weekend. And and so we're just a little bit better. Now, nobody's going to say it that way, but but we start to just kind of say, yeah, this this thing that we're, we're, we're a little more like Jesus. It's holier to knit than to shop. It's, it's holier. It's more manly. To, and, and it goes through everything. 
And we've all experienced it, right? We've all experienced from the inside. We've experienced it from the outside. Think back to middle school, right? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if this happens. This happened at every school I was a part of, and I think it's happened in every school that my kids have been a part of. But in middle school, it starts to happen where all the pretty girls get together, and 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 they're just popular, and 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 they know how to dress, and 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 and. And they don't hang out with the uglies. Now, I've never been a pretty girl, so I don't know if they talk about the uglies or what they would call them. But why? I mean, they just get together, right? And, and, and they're just a little bit above everybody else. And, and if you've been outside that group, you know what it feels like, right? Oh, they're better than us. They're, they're more important than us. They have more value than us. And, and, and you feel that pain and, and that exclusion. Even groups that aren't necessarily listed as popular, right? You know, goth, right? That, that wearing black all the time and so on. I, it, it's interesting to me as I talk to, to students sometimes, and again, these groups don't always do this, right? I'm not saying if you watch football, but, but I've talked to, and it's like, yeah, man, yeah, I know nobody likes us at school, but we're, 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 we're real. We're authentic. You know, we don't let anybody else tell us what to do. We dress the way we want to dress. Oh, that's why you all dress alike? Right? But I mean, it's, there's this sense of saying, you know what, those other kids at school, man, they're just, they're just sheep. They just follow everybody else. They just do what they want. But no, not us, man. We, we don't listen to the man. We don't listen to anybody else. And, and, and I mean, we're really saying we're superior to everybody else, right? Because we're more authentic. And it continues, and it goes on and on. You know, we're liberals because we love people. We just love everybody. I don't know why you people have to have so much hate in your hearts. I don't know why. I, I just don't understand those people who are full of hate. I just, we're not like that. We love everybody. Oh, yeah, well, we're the conservatives, and we happen to think that our brains matter. And we don't understand how, our feelings. Oh, yeah, let's just make everything how we feel. And let's let everybody be victims all the time. It doesn't work that way, right? And, and so now all of a sudden, we're smarter than you. We're pastors. And look, I could make a lot of money doing other things, but I love Jesus, so I gave up all that stuff. Because I'm not a materialist like some of you. And because I gave it up, you ought to let me use your material stuff. (laughs) But I still want to feel superior to you. I deserve it, right? You see how it works, and it goes on and on and on. And we're the business guys, (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, Ron, yada, 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 talk all you want, but you know who makes the world turn. I live in a real world, and I know how to get a job done. And we take these things, and often they're rooted in gifts that God has given to us, right? They're they're things that God has given to us that are gifts, and we raise them up, and instead of saying, how do we bless others with this? It's like, we begin to say, we're stronger than everybody else. We're better than everybody else. And these things happen in the church as well, right? I, I mean, we in the church are divided along so many lines, Red and yellow, black and white, God, uh, they're all precious in God's sight. I just don't want to worship with them. It's just, it's different. They don't do things our way. We get divided. You know, I mean, it's just so, think about it. I mean, every church has a way of doing things, right? We all have a way of doing things. And it's really hard. You can, it's just so, because we're sinful, it's so natural for us to say, our way is the right way. You know, our way is the right way. We have the right balance of, of, of this or that, or we have this, or I, I know, or we in our little group in our church knows the right balance, and if we could only get Ron to listen, we could tell him what it is, because we know what would be, be- and, and, and instead of just saying, you know what, I, this, is, this, this helps me, or this is my preference, or this is how, how, 
whatever. We start saying, no, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. On issues that aren't right and wrong. And we start to lift ourselves up and we start to say others don't fit. And we divide along ethnic lines and along racial lines and, and along theological lines. And it breaks God's heart. It absolutely breaks God's heart. And that's what Paul deals with in this part of his letter to the Ephesians. A a split in the church. A a, a struggle in the church. Two groups that didn't like each other. In order, again, we've got to do a little more background here, but in order to think about this, we've got to recognize that that the the churches in Ephesus that were struggling were really in a struggle that was rooted in a major division in, in the Old Testament times. And that is Jews versus Gentiles. On the one side, we had Jews, all right? And, and we got to recognize, and, and I want you to think about this, because, again, God called the Jewish people as a group, okay? He didn't, he, he didn't say, oh, I don't, I don't have any special people. He said, I, I, these are my special people. They've got a special job, all right? He, he, he called them, and, and, and they were cho- God's chosen people, all right? No question about it. And, and he gave them God's law. And, and, and over here, we had everybody else, Gentiles. All those who aren't Jews are Gentiles, okay? Now, you got to understand something here about what the intention was because it, it challenges me. It doesn't answer all of our questions again. Don't fall into easy answers on these things. But one of the things we got to understand, it, I think we forget it in the church, that we have something very similar in common to, to Israel, to, to, to the Jewish people. You see, God's intention when he called the Jewish people was that they would be his people, and he gave them his law to say, this is how you ought to live. This is a, a, a community of justice and, and grace and truth and love and, and peace. And, and what they were supposed to be was not a group that stood in judgment on the rest of the world. What they were supposed to be was, was a light to the nations. When God called them, he said to Abraham, the first Jewish person, the father of all Judea, he said, you know what? I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to the nations. The purpose of Israel, the purpose of the Jewish people was not to say, your world, you're dead wrong on this. Their purpose was to say, look at who God is. Because this is, this is the life. This is the life. And God's intention was that the, the Gentiles would be drawn to him through the Jewish people. God's intention was that they would be a, a servant to the world that would draw others. And I think about that in the church. Now, again, I, I, we ha- I, I, don't make it over, don't oversimplify, but, but I think we've got to recognize that our primary calling in the church is not to yell at our culture. It's not to just say how wrong you are all the time about everything, okay? It, it's to create a community, a community that's a light in the darkness, a community that, that says to, to the people, they know how to love each other. They know how to care for each other. And, 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 and God's intention is not that we primarily talk to them about what they're doing, but God's intention. That's why our mission statement as a church is, is to become a community where the kingdom of God is real and visible. Because God calls us to be a light in the darkness. And, and what he wants is for people out there to say, you know what, I'm missing something and I need that in my life. Okay, that's, that's the heart of it. Now, it doesn't mean we don't talk about things, okay? So I say, don't go just simple on me. But, but we do it in the context of recognizing God's call is not for us to straighten out the world. God's call is for you and I to learn to love each other in such a way that the world says, I want some of that. I want some of that. That's not how it worked, all right? The Jewish people, they said, ah, we're God's chosen people, all right? You know what that means? That means the Gentiles aren't. 
we're special, that means they aren't. We're better than them, and they are dogs, all right? They are nobodies. They don't have the law. They're not obedient. And what happened is there was a wall between them, okay? There was a wall absolutely clearly between these two groups, and they hated each other. Now, at one level, that wall was literal. <laughs> in the temple, there was a literal wall between the Jewish section and the Gentile section. So you can't come here because you're not good enough. You can't come here because you're not one of us. You can't come here because you don't belong in our place. And it was a literal wall there. And, and that wall is, is what Paul is talking about. In Ephesians 2 verse 14, he says, you know what? He's going to tell us what we're talking about is the barrier, the dividing wall. And he calls it hostility. And, and the word that he uses there it could easily be hatred. All right? Jesus we got to deal with this because there has been a, just a dividing wall of hatred between the Jewish people and between the Gentile people. And it is just causing so much pain and so much struggle, all right? That was what's going on in the time of Jesus. You see that with the, the Jewish people talking about, hey, you know, the Gentiles. And, 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 and again, when a Jewish person would talk about a Gentile, they'd call him a dog and they'd spit. They just hated him. They absolutely hated them. And the problem is, this carried over into the church. The reason we have to care about it is it carried over into the church. It didn't just end. It wasn't like, oh, cool, now we're all Christians, so we're all together. No, because we had on the one side Jewish Christians, and, and, and they were saying, you know, God's law still matters. And, 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 you know, they said Jesus himself, they could quote him. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it and to set us free so that we could follow. So it still matters how you live. We're still called to be holy and, and, and they tended to focus on three things, on Sabbath, on circumcision, and on dietary laws. Okay, little side note here, okay? It, it, let's go back to thinking about groups. No Jewish person would have said that these three things, the Sabbath and dietary laws and circumcision, are at the center of the faith. No, they would have said what's called the Shema, right? The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They would have said that's the center of, of, of Judaism. That's what we believe. But with groups... One of the things that groups need are what are called boundary markers. You need something to know who's in and who's out, right? And so that's why we sometimes wear clothes that's, uh, that are, you know, either a certain color or hats of a certain kind, um, you know, because I need to know who's in and who's out. Well, in, in, in Jesus' day, these were the three things. This is how you knew who was a Jew and who wasn't. And, and it was just easier than trying to judge somebody's heart, Right? I mean, you know, I mean, and think about the groups you're a part of. There are little ways that you kind of communicate to each other. Are you one of us or not? Do you fit with us or not? In, in some ways, some of the discussion about the Confederate flag. A bunch of people in the South, some of them are just saying, look, this is it's about having a Southern attitude. Of we're kind of rednecks. Yeah, about slavery. We want to know who's a redneck like us. And you don't always get to decide what your symbols mean. So it's, but, but, but we all kind of have these things, right? Little ways. How do we know? Uh, maybe some of you grew up and said, you know who's a Christian on your street. They're the ones who don't cut the grass on Sunday. They don't go shopping on Sunday. That's how we know who's a Christian. That's right. It's a lot easier than trying to decide other ways. And, and, and so that's what these were. These were the boundary markers. And for the Jewish people, it became a real struggle because it was like, well, what are the boundary markers and how do we know who's in and who's not? And so they were kind of trying to find identity, trying to say, look, you're part of us now, so you've got to do this because this is what it means. On the other side, the Gentile Christians. The Gentile Christians were saying, dude, we're saved by grace. 
And, and, and if we're saved by grace, they pushed that side. And they were like, we can do what we want. We can, we can still hang out with our families. No, and, and if the family's doing this, then we're going to be a part of it. And I know it was a bit of a drunken party, but come on, man. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. And in the early church, this was an unbelievably powerful, powerful uh, division and, and hatred. And, and just they, they struggled with trying to figure out how to get along with each other. So what I want to look at is what does Paul do, okay? What does Paul do? He's going to tell them three things, all right? He's going to do three things, remind them of three things. And I actually want to start with something he doesn't do. Now, we always got to be careful whenever we're talking about an argument from silence. He's saying Paul doesn't do this. So don't push this too hard, but I think this ought to challenge each of us because he doesn't do what I would be most tempted to tell him to do. And what my guess is might be what you would be most tempted to do. See, he doesn't tell him, well, just form two churches, you know, find a Gentile Christian church and start a, a Jewish Christian church. And you can say you're both Christians so you get along, and the, but just have your own place, okay? The fact is they probably should have started maybe four or five churches, right? It's better to have more churches. And, and then people who, who kind of, you know, you don't have to fight all the time. You don't have to fight. We just disagree on this. And, and, but it's significant to me because in our day, that's kind of the answer, right? I mean, I, I read not too long ago of a pastor who was saying, you know, on one level we should give thanks to God for church splits because now we get two churches. And you can kind of understand that, right? And we're not fighting with each other. How often don't we just say, you know what, just easier for me just to go someplace else. Just easier for me to just kind of go to someplace that I like, that fits me. It would have been so much easier. But you're going to see, what I want us to see is, is that Paul says the gospel the gospel includes bringing us together. The gospel includes not only overcoming a barrier between us and God, but between us and others around us. And, and again, I don't think we can have churches of 400,000 people or whatever. It just doesn't work. We need smaller. And, 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 and again, churches have flavors. And, and, and so, again, don't get simple on this and just kind of say, oh, well, therefore it's all. But I think we have to be really careful when we just kind of say, well, you know, I just like these people more than these people. Why? And what are you saying if you do that? Because Paul says, you know what, I'm not telling you. Just get two different churches. You guys kind of are focused on this issue. You guys are focused on this issue. No, that's not what Paul says. Instead, he says, you know, you're one body, friends. Deal with it. It's interesting. He doesn't say you need to become one body. (laughs) He says, you are one body. If you are in Christ, you are one body. Only question is whether we're going to live it out. The only question is whether we're going to recognize it. Let's go to Ephesians. And, and the center of this passage is verses 14 to 16. And I want you to just feel, as we go through this, feel the passion that Paul speaks with about this issue. Feel the passion that Paul says, you know what, this is not a small deal, okay? He writes this, he says, for he himself, Jesus, he himself is our peace. And if that's all I had on the screen, you might think, yeah, right, he makes peace with, with God. He, 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 he paid for the sins so that we can have peace with God. That's not what he's saying. He is our peace who has made the two groups one and has, circle that if you've got your Bibles, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of history hostility, excuse me. He has destroyed it. He didn't say it's bad. He didn't say, oh, this shouldn't be here. He said, no, I have got to destroy this by setting aside in his flesh the commands with its, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself 
one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he what? Put to death their hostility. Paul, it's just powerful language. Paul is saying, you got to understand, Jesus died not just to bring us to the Father, but to bring us to each other. To bring us to people who we previously hated. To bring us to people who we previously could not stand. Who we would have judged. Who we would have felt superior to or inferior to. And to say, you know what? You and I are brothers and sisters. And and, and Paul says, this is at the center of of, of why Jesus died. I I mean, he he ties this in so clearly. He says, on the cross, Jesus destroyed death. Jesus destroyed not just sin and death and all that stuff, but he destroyed hostility. And and, and he died so that we could get together. And and, and it's interesting. Again, I don't want to push this too hard, but but if you start in the middle with a his purpose, can you find that up there? Yeah, it's kind of on the right side. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And then in these words, just think how interesting this is, right? He says, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like, and again, I don't want to push this too hard, but that what happened in salvation is the first thing Jesus did is he brought Jews and Gentiles together. And then he reconciled both of us to God, right? That he brought people who were uh, enemies of each other together, and then he brought it. You want to talk about the centrality of how important this is to God? Want to talk about how important this is to Jesus? That at one level, learning to live together in love with people who have... That's how, how passionate we need to be about this, that, that God did this. Now, one more thing I want to notice before we move on, um, and, and that is these words. It happens through the cross, right? Yeah, circle those. You see, the fact of the matter is, this idea of reconciliation, this idea of building community is a pretty popular one in our culture today, right? Can't we all just get along? Can't we just accept each other? Can't we all just, and in, in one sense, I want to say, absolutely, I agree with a lot of that desire. The question is, how? How do we get there? How, how do we do that? Our culture tends to say to us, well, we do it through education. We have to explain to you, what the, you know, that, that people are all the same. We do it through experience. If you can just share your life with somebody, then that's going to, the education and experience can help, okay? But the fact is, what the Bible makes clear is, is that we need something much deeper than that. You can educate me all you want, but I will still have a, an arrogance in my heart. Last week we talked about how, about how, how we are ir, 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 uh, <clears throat> uncontrollably curved in on myself. I think that's the term that we used. Um, and, 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 and we said that, you know, because of sin, I can't help, we use this drawing thing, and, and I said, you know, because of sin, I can't help but look at myself. I read everything in terms of what it does to me and, and how it impacts me. And, 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 and the fact of the matter is, it, this happens in groups, right? We are irredeemably curved in on ourselves. We are uncontrollably curved in on ourselves. We, we, we keep thinking only of ourselves. We keep putting ourselves first. And you can't straighten yourself out. The only way for us to be straightened out is for Jesus to die. I need him to change my heart. The only way for me to start loving people who are different than me is if God changes my heart, okay? And, and, and so the, the cross is our only hope for this, all right? We need to understand that. So let's take a look. Let's kind of visualize how this is. Let's go back to this. Jesus comes, and, and what Jesus does, Paul is saying, is he destroys that dividing wall, and then he brings these two groups together as, as he draws them near to himself, and, and we become one new humanity in Christ. And, and, and what he does 
is people who hated each other learn to live together in love. And that is maybe the second biggest miracle if we want to rank them. If the first biggest miracle is God saving me or you and restoring our relationship with God, this is at least a close second, if not just a central part. The fact is the Bible makes clear that we cannot come to God without coming to others who have come to God through Jesus Christ. I can't love Jesus and not others who don't. Who, I, I just don't get to come to Jesus on my own. He brings, as I draw near to him, I draw near to you. I draw near to all those who are in Christ. And, and, and I think Paul may have been thinking of these words of Jesus when Jesus says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is no small matter, friends. It is, it is at the core. We are one body in Christ, all right? Let's keep moving here, all right? Um, second thing that he tells them, he tells them, that they all share the same story, okay? This is something God does, but, but part of how we remember this is, is, is recognizing that, you know what? What ties us together is more important than anything that separates us, and what ties us together is the story, okay? Last week, again, if you were here, um, you know, we talked about remembering the journey, all right? Okay, we talked about remembering the journey, and we said, you know, there were three things. We were dead, we are alive, and, and now we got here by grace, okay? We said, you know what? We're dead, and, and, and now we're alive, and the only reason we're alive is not because we were smart enough to choose Jesus, simply because of God's grace that he reached out to us. There's no room for boasting. There's no room for pride. Now, Paul is going to take that same thing, that same truth, and he's going to say, and that's why you need to be brothers and sisters with everybody who belongs to Christ. Look at what he does. Okay, watch this. He says, formerly, remember that, and, and he's going to talk primarily to the Gentiles interesting that he does that. I think he generally approaches the the majority group. But he says, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that's the Jewish Christians, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, remember what you were, your journey started. At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world, all right? Just as he said, you're dead in your sins and transgressions. Now Paul says, you know, you Gentile Christians, yeah, you're saved by grace, but remember, you were, you were far away from God. You were excluded from God. You did not have salvation. You were without God. You were without hope. That's where you were. But he says, now look at this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. You were dead, now you're alive. You've been brought near by grace, by the blood of Christ. Friends, that's, that's the basis of, 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 of unity in the church, is that we all share the same journey. We were far, we are near, and we got here by grace. And, and when we understand that, it changes everything. Paul goes on in verses 17 and 18, and he talks about this more. He says, Jesus came, and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We all share the same story, right? And, and when that's the case, everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes secondary. I am a Christian first, and a Gentile second. I am a Christian first, and a Jew second is what they needed to say. I need to say I'm a Christian first, and I'm white second, and I can't let my whiteness supersede the unity I have in my Christianness. I'm a Christian first, and I'm educated second, and I can't let my education level make me think that I have more value to God than somebody who doesn't have the same educational level. I am a Christian first, and I am an American second, or third, or fourth. 
Friends, the Bible would tell me I have more in common with a Russian Christian, with a Korean Christian, with a Canadian Christian than I do with an American who's not in Christ. That's my fundamental identity. And all these other things become secondary, all right? I am a Christian first and a Republican or a Democrat second. Third, fourth, fifth, maybe. Do you get it? Do you you see it? I mean, it makes such a difference if we recognize Paul is saying, who are we to stand in judgment on others in Christ? Because the only way we got in Christ is by grace. We were far away, we're near, by the blood of Christ we got here. And if you are like that, then you stand at the foot of the cross with me. And there is a basic unity. We are brothers and sisters. Now, we got to note something. Again, this is, it's so much easier if we could just be simplistic. This doesn't mean that we agree on everything. And it doesn't mean that we don't have sometimes strong conversations. The same Paul who says this in in his letter to the Galatians, go read chapter 2. When Peter was wrong, I opposed him to his face because he was condemned. He was wrong. So somehow in this, we can disagree. Somehow in this, we can challenge each other. Somehow in this, but somehow it's in the context of knowing that we are brothers and sisters and that it's not a superiority thing. It's, not a, it's, it's, a, it's a seeking Jesus together kind of thing. And, and again, what we tend to do is we tend to either say, yep, we're unified or we're truthful. And we got to be both. <laughs> this is a unity passage, but it doesn't mean we get to ignore the, the, the fact that there are other places where Christians challenge each other. And, and so part of it is learning how to, how to love in the midst of our disagreements. And part of it is learning, and, and this is a tough one, of learning well, just how far do those disagreements go, right? Because at some point we start to say, I read a blog this week of a, a Presbyterian minister, and he said, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in God. There's no God. There's no afterlife. Um, Jesus was not divine. He didn't rise from the dead. But I'm a Christian. He said, I believe Jesus taught a great way to live. Is he or isn't he? I, I, you know, I, the puzzled looks on your faces, you kind of go, but, but so sometimes you got to say, no, I think you can't, you can't be in the Christian camp and claim those things. So we do that, okay? The New Testament does that. But how do we, how do we learn to love those? In, and, and, and still we love those who are out because if they're far from God, that's where we were. If they're dead in sins, that's where we were apart from Christ. That's where I belong. So I still, but... And, and, and so I just, again, that's why I keep saying, don't go simple on me, okay? You've got to be passionate about saying, I don't want to draw lines where God does not draw lines. I don't want to draw any lines. And I don't want there to be any lines in this church where God does not draw lines. On the other hand, we have to recognize that God does draw some lines about being in Christ. And so in humility, in humility, we continue to work on that. All right, let's keep going. We're almost done. Tells them that they are one body in Christ. He tells them that they all share the same story. And, and, and so because of that, because our story is lost and found by grace, I, I don't get to judge others who are lost and found by grace. And even when we're into the world, my, 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 we create a community where people can see the light. Third thing he does, and this is just going to be really quick, but it's so cool to think about this. He tells them that God is building them together so he, so he has a place to live. God's looking for a home. He's looking for a home. And his home is when you and I learn to love each other. And, and we become a temple. Look at verses 19 and 20. 
Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You are a building, okay? And he goes on and he says this, In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Again, it's not a building, but it's when you and I learn to live together in love. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When we break down racial, ethnic lines, when we break down the things that divide our world and find unity in Christ, the world sees God because God lives in us. When we become, and as we become that kind of a temple, God lives in us. He tells them that they're one body. He tells us that we are one body. He tells us that we all share the same story. He tells us that God is building us together so he has a place to live. And and so as we close just this, all who are in Christ are a family. And, And the question I want you to struggle with and pray about and be passionate about is, can we learn to live like it? Can we learn to live like it? And, and, and not just kind of say, no, we're us and you're you and we don't, no, we share the same story. I don't know what that looks like. Again, but I hope it looks more diverse. I hope it looks more like what the church is going to look like in heaven. God, God loves diversity and he loves unity. Our unity is in Jesus. And let's be diverse beyond that. Let's pray together. Father, we so often feel better about ourselves if we're inside and others are outside. If you said we're all outside apart from Christ, so we're all the same. And if we are in Christ, we are all brothers and sisters. So help us to live like it. Father, forgive us where we felt we are superior, that if we're Dutch and you're not, you're not much. Where we feel like we got church right because we know to start at 9.30 and be done at 10.32. Forgive us for our arrogance and our judgmental hearts and remind us that we are saved by grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction. Again, if you want to pray with somebody, there will be somebody who prays better than you do at the prayer room. Just kidding, you see? There's somebody at the prayer room if you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with us and that his grace can help us to be set free even from our prejudices. Go in God's grace. Amen.